it's good to be here. You can see everyone and uh, uh, and that. So, just got some photos here. Um, this is a in the Philippines. This is a church I preached in there. I've been over there eleven times. So in uh, that and um, uh, and that. So this is a church in Manila. So just flick through them. Um, whoever's doing that, that'd be great. And some more. That's Terry, Terry and Frankie Collins. They're ministering, so they're missionaries uh, over there. They've been there forty years. Uh, they've got um, oh, thousands of people and churches over there, and all that sort of stuff. So it's quite, it's quite a good thing. And then this is another church meeting here. So that was when I went over there last time. Uh, and that, and we were um, uh, at a, it's like a family camp. And they done a uh, pastors and church leaders thing, so um, preaching there somewhere. So carry on, bro. Oh yeah, there's me. So this is at a pastors and church leaders thing. I think we had uh, somewhere around 190 or 200 pastors and church leaders there, uh, in that, and um, uh, it was great. God turn up and bodies all over the floor and people getting healed and deliverances and uh, yeah, just a wild time, eh? It was like uh, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, this is a, yep, carry on, and this is just the same meeting and a bit more of the same meeting. So this is another church uh, that I, uh, I go and preach over there. So this one here, they just have a few rows of chairs, and then they pack them, and you've got to stand, so uh, there's not enough room in their building for everybody. And then there's a stairwell that goes down, and they've got a speaker in the stairwell, so people stand in the stairwell, and, uh, yeah, it's just... Um, like, uh, I think on, on that day there, we might have had about 20 first-time salvations uh, in that. So um, it, it's a great, like, churches. But the prob- problem they have is just lack of finances. Like, these guys would really like to be able to build a bigger building, but um, they just do multiple services and every. I think they do three on a Sunday uh, in that, and it's just packed where it's just standing room only it's a bit different than here. When I'm over there, um, you know, if you preach for any less than one hour, uh, people get upset. So minimum of an hour. And if they say if, if, the, if the people are with you, they expect an hour and a half if it's going well. If God turns up, you preach for two hours. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, for a preacher, it's awesome. <laughs> I can fill in an hour just like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a Carry on, bro. And um, oh, that's one of the worship teams in that church, and their music is so loud, it's deafening. Like it's just absolutely, you know, like at the end of it, your ears are just ringing. But uh, that's the way they like it, you know. It's just, uh, yeah. So, so it's great. But great worship, my word. Like, um, you know, in in probably a time frame. Uh, the churches that I minister in over there, they're probably about between 10 and 15 years behind us. And that, so the songs that we were doing probably 10 years ago, they're still doing now. And, and the move of God that we had 10 years ago is still happening there now. And, uh, you know, they haven't got this Western thing where, you know, our church services are all packaged and in a nice order and, you know, they just want God. And so, you know, they'll worship for a... a a service can go from anywhere from probably two to three hours. They'll worship for an hour, hour and a half nonstop, and they're not even tired. You know, it's like they—it's just a totally different, um, you know, for what what we've got uh, here. But I mean, but here's okay. You know, it's good for us. But 
Here's okay, but over there is awesome. <laughs> now we're we're going over there for three months. Uh, from uh, looks like from December to March. So uh, going to go and uh, pioneer two churches over there, and um, doing a, uh, a feeding um, displaced children and families as well, uh, a housing project. So, but anyhow, carry on if you can, bro. So this is some of the areas uh, that uh, that we go to uh, when I'm over there and meet folk. I do normally when I'm over there, uh, I like to go into areas and just you know talk to people, particularly people who understand. Just click the next one. People understand English and uh, and that. And um, it's very. I was going to show you some other photos, uh, but some of them are pretty shocking. So these are these are this is sort of a little bit mild. Uh, to where we go, some of the places we go. Uh, if I, this, you see my thumb in the corner. <laughs> just, <laughs> sorry about that. So yeah, yeah. So, um, but um, that's sort of uh, basically where we're at there. And then um, uh, keep going if you can. Uh, right, yeah. So this is Alan. He's my brother-in-law, and uh, he travels with me when I go over there. He's like my bodyguard, my the bouncer. The you know he he watches after me and. Uh, uh, so anyhow, I, I turned him into a coffee addict while I was there, as you can see. So we became, I taught him the ways of Starbucks. <laughs> Although that's a Bobo, uh, Bobo's, a Bose coffee uh, place there. But uh, yeah, so he's, he's really good. He's born again Christian, church leader. He goes into prisons and ministers into prisons and all that sort of stuff. And I can tell you the prisons they have over there are nothing like. Uh, I've done prison ministry for a few years, and uh, our prisons are like retirement homes to uh, what they have over there. And uh, the amount of people who go to prison over there are totally innocent, totally innocent, but they, uh, some government official will need an alibi uh, or an escape goat, and so they'll just grab some innocent person, frame them, and then they're in prison. And uh, yeah, so, but anyhow, uh, so that's, uh, that's Alan. All right, I think this is, is that us? Is that all our photos? So just a quick update of uh, what, we, um, what we do. I don't think there's any more. Yeah, that's a nice one, but that's not mine. So, all right, okay. Hey, can I have a, a light going here? That'll be great. My eyes aren't like they used to be. And um, All right, so uh, I want to thank for the opportunity to preach. Eh? It's really good. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome, and I'll try and... I won't go an hour, but anyhow. <laughs> I wear glasses nowadays when I'm preaching. It's a bit fuzzy. So uh, if you've got your Bible with you, we're just going to turn to Samuel, First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 16, uh, verse, yeah, chapter, sorry, chapter 17. And um, uh, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about Dave and Goliath. Uh, it's a simple story. And, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a simple guy. I'm not too... Uh, too um, calculated or anything I'm a kind of guy that you know if I'm not having a good day everybody knows it because you know I sort of wear my heart on my sleeve a bit and you know if I'm down I'm down and if I'm having a good day I'm having a good day some people can disguise themselves you know but I've never been any good at that so uh, and I think David uh, was just a a pretty simple uh, young guy you know he wasn't too calculated and uh, but you know he ended up doing extraordinary things and uh, so there, there are some principles in his David and Goliath story here that, uh, you know, for, for men uh, are, are very particular. Uh, you know, the Bible says that as men and, uh, you know, we are the head of our households. 
And, you know, God will does and will hold us accountable to uh, a lot of things that happen in our household. And uh, so, you know, I just sort of feel that this story here uh, gives us a lot of um, information on um, how to uh, do things well. You know, what we're going to talk about this morning, you've either been through it, you're going through it, or can I tell you something, you're going to go through it. Uh, and that so, and there are some really good keys in here of how to go through something, how to achieve something, how to lead our families or our businesses. Or I'm a business owner as well, uh, and that uh, and 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 come out the other side and be victorious and and you know, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so I just want to set the background a little bit here. Uh, I'll just refer to the scriptures every now and then, otherwise I'll run out of time. Uh, in that, so you've got uh, David and Goliath in the story, but you've got uh, this valley. I want you to, uh, just to imagine a, a mountain on this side, a, a big hill range with a valley in the middle, and a hill range on this side here. Uh, and that on one side we've got the Philistines, and then on the other side we've got the Israelites uh, under Saul's leadership on this side, and uh, Goliath is their champion on this side. What they would do is each day uh, Goliath would come down into the valley. Their, their battle lines, they used to draw a line. They had battle lines. If you stayed on, uh, on, on your side of the battle line, you were safe. If you crossed over the battle line, uh, you, you went into like no man's land, and that was warfare. That, that's where that was. So uh, Goliath would come down. They'd have a battle line. The Israelites would come down. They'd have their battle line. And then Goliath started challenging them. And, uh, you know, and he was defying them and he was yelling things out to them, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we're just going to pick up a little bit on that. And there's a, there's a key here. You know, Goliath, Goliath was one man. He was one man. One man. What they used to do sometimes, if, the, if two armies looked at each other and they thought that each other was, you know, pretty equal in, in you know, the ability to kill and, uh, and do victory, what they would do is they'd pick a champion. They'd just pick one man. And so rather than two armies uh, going to war and, uh, and annihilating each other, uh, they would just pick their best fighter. And their best fighters would just go down and, and whoever would win would, uh, would win. So uh, Goliath uh, wanders on down. He comes down to this valley, and this is what he said. This is what he said. Goliath, in verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Uh, you know, so it's a real challenge. What, he, what he's saying to these guys, how come you come down here every day and you line up for battle? What he's saying is, why don't you fight? You line up like you're going to fight, but you don't fight. And he's so, so he's saying, why do you come down and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? Uh, choose a man, choose a man and have him come down to me. Uh, if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. Or that word subjects, when you translate it, actually means slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, uh, you will become our subjects or slaves and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy uh, the ranks of Israel. In other words, that word defy translated as the word blaspheme. 
And so he was blasphemed against their God, against their armies. So he said, I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, verse 11, on hearing this, the the uh, Philistines, I'm sorry, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. The words of one man, the words of one, now he was a big man. He was a big man, you know, and where you can read about how, you know, he's nine foot something tall and, and all this sort of stuff. But how the words of one man paralyzed the whole army. But the, the key, you see, you know, the principle was, and, and Saul, uh, Saul um, Goliath had it right. What he said is, if, if you give me a man, if I defeat that man, you become our slaves. If that man defeats me, we become your slaves. You see, the, the, the Philistines didn't want a dead army in front of them. They needed more slaves. The principle is, what overcomes us, we become slave to. What overcomes us, we become slaves to. What we overcome becomes our slave. If fear overcomes you, you become slave to fear. If mistrust overcomes you, you become slave to mistrust. If addiction overcomes you, you become slaves to addiction. Whatever overcomes us. You see, the enemy is not a fool. He knows that he brings these Goliaths in our lives. And, and, and they stand there and they taunt us. Day and night, they taunt us and they taunt us. And they say, all, and this thing that can be standing in front of you, it could be a financial thing, a maritable thing, a kid thing, an addiction thing, a fear thing, a anger, a resentment, whatever it is that, that's standing before you. And it taunts Day and night, Goliath came down and he came down uh, every day and he would defy them and blaspheme against them and say, who do you think you are? And you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. And, and he knew the principle and the principle was whoever or whatever overtakes us, we become its slave. Probably, I think, you know, from my experience, uh, I pastored churches for nearly 20 years, uh, planted uh, probably half a dozen different churches around New Zealand, uh, and that, but, and, and uh, have, you know, done crusades and seen revivals and over the years and uh, all that sort of thing, and, uh, you know, had to fundraise probably into the millions of dollars for, you know, different events that we've done and all that sort of stuff, and one of, the, one of the biggest things that I see that, that stops, uh, uh, you know, people or men from ever reaching their potential in God, uh, one is fear. Fear. You know, uh, Goliath stood in front of this army. And you've got to understand the Israelites were an army of thousands. They weren't just a handful of God. There were thousands of men there. And, 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 and just the words that he spoke, it said it, it, it put dismay and terror or fear into them. And do you know something? And we're going to uh, discover this and, uh, as we go along. Uh, you know, it was just words. 
Can I tell you something? That when the enemy comes along and he's standing in front of you and, and he's trying to put fear because fear kills faith. Fear kills faith. And he's trying to put fear or discouragement or dismay or terror or whatever it is uh, in your heart. It's only words. It's only words. It's, you know, often it's words in our head. But you know what overcomes us, we become slave to. I was saying to uh, uh, Pastor Chris this morning, we were having a cup of coffee, and I said, you know, uh, you know, you can't move forward in life if you've got a negative spirit. You can't. You'll never fulfill your destiny with a negative spirit, with a negative talk, with an anti. If you're anti and, and, and it's, it's the Goliath, the negativity is in your Goliath. And I know, you know, from my years of pastoring that, it's very easy for people to get negative uh, in that. But while that's going there, I'll tell you what, it becomes a stronghold in people's lives, as strong as fear. And it stops us, it stops us from moving forward into what God has for us. And, you know, these guys, these, uh, this army here, they allowed this fear, they allowed this negativity to come into their hearts and it paralyzed them as a nation. You've got to understand, look, look at this. If somebody went against Goliath and they lost, it wasn't their defeat, it was a nation's defeat. This was a defining moment in the history of Israel. Israel as a nation was either going to become slave to a Palestine, not a Palestine army, but a Palestine nation. This isn't just a little boy who's gone out or a teenager and fought the weight of a nation. Can I tell you, and I'm just, you know, because Glenn said, oh, I need to talk to men, so I'm talking to men here, so, you know, you ladies, good on you. <laughs> Do you know, you know, men, the decisions you make, the things that you allow to come into your world and overtake you, they determine the state of your family that you lead. This wasn't a teenage boy having a battle with a school bully like Goliath. This was the state of a nation. This nation was either going to be free or become a slave. And it was going to be determined by whoever fought Goliath. Because that's what he said. He said, if you defeat us, we are your slaves. If you defeat us, you become ours. The whole nation. You know, as a man, what we allow to defeat us and what we allow to, uh, uh, we overcome, impacts our whole family. Whew. You guys okay? Oh, my word. That's good. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So, so anyhow... What happens is uh, these, this has been going on for 40 days. Uh, that uh, uh, Goliath turns up, he goes down, draws up the battle line, has his armor bearer, yells his defiance to the Israelites. They've come down, the army and Saul, their king is there, and then they all run off and they're afraid and terrified and all this sort of stuff. And I think, you know, uh, what kind of leader is Saul? Oh, my Lord, you know, uh, you know, the man should have died trying. You know, what kind of leader uh, uh, would, you know, 
this is this is a principle. This is a principle. Is that you know if if the leader if the leader uh, is negative, his family becomes negative. If the leader runs away from issues, his family grows up running away from issues. You know, it's like what you want your children to be, what you want your household to be. You have to be. You have to be. Saul was terrified and dismayed, and all his army became terrified and dismayed. Saul would run. He would run away from Goliath in fear, and all his soldiers run away in fear. Do you know, men, our kids want us to be heroes. They want us to be the most positive, faith-filled, powerful men they know. They want us to be Spider-Man. They want us to be Superman. They want us to be Batman. They want us to be all those things. They don't want to hear us uh, complaining and moaning and negative and anti and mucking around. and Well, it's because you know what? Our kids will grow up exactly the same. A lot of the uh, people that I deal with over in the Philippines, uh, we've got a thing over there where we're, we're developing. And uh, anyhow, I deal with uh, fatherless children over there uh, that have lost, the, you know, uh, we think it's bad here. Uh, you know, here we have a, a, a pension or whatever they call it. You know, if, if a lady, you know, if a relationship breaks down or if a lady gets pregnant outside of marriage or whatever, the government looks after them. Over there, they don't. There's no, age, oh, there's no ACC. There's no dole. There's no old age pension. The only people who get old age pension are, are, are the politicians when they get old. And if you are a police or an army, you get it. And that. So, you know, uh, some people, so, you know, one, sometimes people had a go at me one time and they said, no, you know, just stop them from breeding. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, why do they have to have so many children? Uh, if, if when you're old... Your only form of income is from your children to look after you. It takes a lot of money to look after somebody when they're old. So every what mostly happens is, you know, if the kids are in poverty, well then they only everybody gives a little bit to look after mum and dad. You know, they don't have a retirement home like they do here, where you just shove mum and dad in the retirement home, sell the house, and the government says, yeah, that's cool, we'll look after them. Doesn't happen like that over there. You know, in one of the areas we go to. Uh, it's really common, and you know, uh, and that, and you see old people, like people who are in their, you know, 60s and 70s and 80s, uh, are sleeping on the street, and they got their little paper cups, and they're begging for money because they have no children to look after them when they're old, and they're they're just in rags and uh, and stuff like that, and you know, uh, it's like it's a, it's a, such a different world. But you know, uh, where I was, where was I heading with that? I got just, oh, it just touches my heart when you go and see all that sort of stuff. Hey, eh? it's like you think, mate, you know, I, you know, like I went to the coffee shop this morning and I sent my coffee back because it didn't taste right. <laughs> and I think, how pathetic! <laughs> my coffee didn't taste right. I'll send it back. <laughs> One cup of coffee would uh, feed somebody over there for a week. You know, probably feed a family for a week. But anyhow. Uh, you see, Saul was the leader of the army, and because the leader of the army was behaving in a certain way, the whole army was in the same. Saul was afraid to face this issue, to deal with this problem, and so the whole army became afraid. Do you know uh, what people are looking for is leadership? 
What our families are looking for is leadership. What our families are looking for is uh, talking to fathers and that, uh, 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 fathers who don't give up, who don't give up, who don't run away, who don't sit down, who don't hand the responsibility over to the wife and say, well, you sort this out, who, who take responsibility for being the head of the household. Because, you know, just like Saul's army run away, because Saul, as the head of the army, run away, whatever we do, whatever we do in our families, you know, it goes generational. It goes down the lines until somebody breaks it. I can say, like, you know, my father, uh, you know, and he's passed away many years ago now, but uh, my my, uh, great, 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 somewhere way down the line, grandparent, uh, was a wife beater. My uh, my great my father's father's father was then a wife beater. My father's father was a wife beater. My father was a wife beater. And do you know, uh, before I became a Christian, I used to beat woman. My brother was a wife beater. You see, it just comes down and down. We can think like Saul would think. Oh, it's nothing. I'm just running away. But the impact that the head, the impact that the head becomes generational. And so when I became a Christian, I said to myself, I'm going to stop this behavior. God really convicted me about it. And we, we, I just stopped it. Well, you know, and I said, I'm going to bring my kids up different to the way that I was brought up. And my kids are now different to the way that I was brought up. All right. How you going, guys? Good. All right. Okay. So anyhow, so then then in comes David into the scene. Oh my Lord, look at the time. Okay. Then comes David into the scene. And uh, so David's out and he's checking out, uh, you know, he's looking after the his, his father's sheep and we all know the story and along come some lion and bears and they, you know, uh, you know, try to take away the sheep and David fights them and all this sort of stuff. And then it gets to a place that after about 40 days of battle, now nobody, this is, this is what's interesting, nobody knows what's happening in the battlefield. When Jesse sent David to, to go to the battlefield, he thought, he thought that the army, that the Israelites were slaughtering the Philistines. Because when Jesse sends them, listen to this, in verse, uh, here we go, we're going to go in verse 18. So, uh, when, when Jesse sent him, he says, Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. Now that word assurance uh, 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 means spoils of war. So Jesse was sending David to go and check out this battle because he thought, man, it's going to be great. And he wanted Jesse, uh, he wanted David to bring back some spoils of their victory. So now I want, I want you to just to, to think about David. For, so David's all excited. <laughs> he says, man, I'm going to go and see my brothers and my king and they're going to be slaughtering these Philistines and my dad wants me to bring back some spoils of war or tokens of war that uh, man of the battles they've won. And so he's all excited like, man, I'm just going to go there and I'm going to watch and ah, these Philistines are going to slaughter them. Early in the morning, David left his flock 
with a shepherd. Oh, there's about six sermons just in that. Uh, you know, the mess you leave behind, the mess you leave behind when you go to, to go into the next stage of what God has for you is the very thing that'll come back and bite you in the bum. It's the very thing that the devil will use against you. That is why it is so important that as we go through our stages in life that we don't leave messes undone. That what the tasks that we have been given, you know, the, I'll tell you a good example uh, in that like, uh, you know, I employ people. And uh, I had a guy uh, send me his uh, CV last week and uh, he's looking for a job. So anyhow, uh, in that, so I look at his CV and he's been in these, he's a you know, guy, Brazilian, I think, guy, and he's been in the, in the country for 18 months. And in 18 months, he's worked for 10 employers. <laughs> so I'm going through and, and he's, he's rattling off these employers like, like you know, some sort of a medal, like he's done, wow, look at all the people I've worked for. And, uh, and then I just see a pattern that about every four to six weeks he gets sacked. Uh, and then, you know, he's, you know, and then he go work for someone, and then four to six weeks he's getting sacked. And so then we do some follow The guy never finishes anything. Like, you know, he leaves things undone all the time. And so what happens is now he wants to move into the next phase of his life, but he's got all these issues that he's never dealt with. He's got all these Goliaths that he's never slain. He's got all these problems he's never overcome behind him. And you know what? It's stopping him from moving into his, uh, into his future. So David comes along, and, and his, his, his responsibility was to look after a handful of sheep or a, a herd of sheep for his father. And it says here, early in verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd. If we get time, I don't know if we will. If we get time, we'll go back to that, to what his brother said to him about that later on. Okay, and then, and then it says, you know, David, off he goes. And, uh, uh, and he turns up at the battle line. Verse 22, David left the things with the keeper of supplies to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. Okay, as he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion of Gath, stepped out from uh, his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And when the, when the Israelites, now go, oh my Lord, you got to understand, David is excited. You know, like... Uh, I don't know if you've ever had it. I've, you know, I've, my kids, you know, my kids, they'll come home, they're excited about something. You know, we're going to do something and, you know, and they're all excited, you know, and they've got this real, and then, then you know, the phone will ring or something will happen and it doesn't happen. And you just see them get deflated like, and it just kills everything. It's just like that. Well, you know, David, David, was coming to this battle scene with this excitement in his heart. He wanted to get the spoils of war. He wanted to be able to take back to his dad and say to his dad, look, look what we're doing. Look how well we're doing. Whew. So anyhow, Saul came out and spoke his usual defiance and David heard it. Verse 24, when the Israelites saw the man, they ran, they all, they all ran from him in fear. That word ran if you check it out, it means denial. They denied the issue. They denied there was a problem and they went, uh, they run away from it. Whew. You know, in the last few years, I'll tell you what, there have been so many times I wanted to pack my bags and move to denial. 
just go and live somewhere else and just block everything that we've been through in the last three years. Just block it all out like it never, ever happened. Just go somewhere else. Just be somebody else. Reinvent or whatever. But you know, uh, as men leading families, we don't have that privilege and we don't have that right. Because there are little people. One is there is a wife beside us and there are little people growing up uh, under us that are looking at us and they're, they're saying, how, how does my dad, how does my dad lead our family through this storm? How does my dad treat uh, mum through this storm? How does my dad treat us through this storm? How does my dad hand, guide things through this storm? These guys just run away in denial, just left it. That word denial means that they, they try to act like it never happened, like there wasn't a problem. You would have thought that was a Harley, eh? But a true Harley rider would go, sounds like, but not quite. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife's like that now. I've got her trained. She can hear it. She goes, well, that just about sounds like a Harley, but not quite. All right. Here we go. Okay. Now the Israelites uh, had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? Uh, we're in verse 25. And he comes out to defy Israel. The king will uh, give the man great wealth. And he talks about what he's going to do. Probably the best thing that the king offered was right at the end, he said, and his father's family uh, will be exempt from taxes. Uh, and, you know, because they offered, they said, you know, one of the prizes would be you could, you could marry the king's daughter. I mean, man, what if she was just but ugly? I mean, <laughs> I mean that could, you know, that's, that's, that's like a two-way street there, isn't it? You know, it's like, heck. So, but anyhow, you know, pay no taxes. Holy cow, now that's a ripper. I'd go to war for that. <laughs> anyhow, so... Um, but David asks the man standing in what will be done, and he talks about, you know, who's removed. Now listen to this. This is a really good one. David asks the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? And listen, listen. Now this is from the heart of a boy. And removes this disgrace, this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defile the armies of the living God? Even, even a boy like David knew that running away in fear and not facing issues uh, was a disgrace to a whole nation. And he named it. Oh, I think this guy's great. You know, he didn't try to, you know, be politically correct and he didn't try to be water it down and say, well, guys, maybe. He just said, man, this is a disgraceful thing that's come into our nation that is trying to overtake our nation. We are all running. And he said, what will happen to the person who takes away the disgrace of this thing? And so anyhow, then they rattle on about, you know, the, the reward and the prize and all that sort of stuff. Okay, now what I'm going to do is we're just going to jump down for the sake of time down to 20, verse 28. When Elab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here with whom? Now, remember the, the sheep. Remember the sheep issue that we talked about, okay? About making sure that the things in our past are tidied up 
so that when we go to move in our future, the enemy doesn't, the enemy doesn't try to condemn us for the things that we've left undone there. You can't run away from an issue in our past and not expect it to trip us up or be blown up in our face in our future. Okay, here we go. Listen to this. <sighs> Why? This is what... Uh, you know, uh, David, Eli's, Elab, uh, starting in verse 28, when Elab, David's other brother, heard them speaking, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked. It's amazing, you know, sometimes the biggest critics we've got are within our family or close friends or, it's amazing. But anyhow, why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? Woo! Do you know, if David had said, uh, I had left those sheep with nobody, he, his whole platform would have been gone because that was his first priority. He had been given a task to do by his father. But you see, David had everything in order. He didn't abandon what he was doing before so then he could move into something better now. All right, here we go. And then this guy says, uh, he says to him, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. Yeah, he did. But you know, isn't it interesting that from within his own family, from within his own, you know, we can say whether it's uh, family, family, church, family, town, community, whatever you're in. Because you see, his brother says to him, I know how conceited you are. There was no conceit in David's heart at all. You know, the Bible says that David had a heart after God. If David had conceit in his heart, God hasn't got conceit in his day. God would never have said that. Dave had expectations that his older brothers were going to war and they were winning. That his older brothers and his king, his leader, his older brothers who were his role model were going to war and they were going to win. No way. Could you imagine how deflated he felt when he turns up and he's all excited? Man, this is going to be great. There's going to be bloodshed. We're going to be powering through this. And then all he sees is his own brothers and his king running in fear. Wow, what a discouragement. says here, verse 29, Now what have I done, David said? Can I even speak? He then turned away uh, to someone else and brought up the same matter. And then before long, it was brought up before Saul. Can I say this to you? The Bible says, this is what he said. He said, David said to his brother, who was trying to what? Who was trying to bring discouragement into his life. Who was trying to make him feel guilty and condemned who's bringing up his past, bringing up his past. You know, if we don't deal with our past, often we can't go into our future. Men, there are more, there's more things that trip guys up that live in your past that, you know, undone stuff in the past that we try to move on and it trips us up in the future. I've been there. 
You know, I came out of a scene when I, I got saved in 86 or around there. I came out of the, the gangs and the drug and the crime and, you know, I used to rob houses, steal cars, steal motorbikes. I was a drug dealer. I was involved in two gangs. Uh, I've been locked up. I've had all this stuff happen to me. I was one of these guys that would get into fights for the sake of fighting and, and oh, man, it was terrible. I've seen, uh, I saw my own sister become a heroin addict because of the drugs that I used to pass on to her. I saw my own sister uh, uh, become a gang, what we call a gang mole, because of the scene that I was involved in, she was, because she was looking to her older brother for direction. David was looking to his older brothers, just like kids look to their, their, their fathers and their family. They look for direction. And here he is, and, and, you know, and these brothers, all I can do is speak condemnation and guilt and all this sort of stuff. You know what? And this is the key. The Bible says, the, you know, the friend of a fool becomes a fool. The friend of the wise becomes wise. If you, if you, are, if you are hanging out with negative people, ditch them. If you are hanging out with people who aren't walking in the same direction as you and wanting to serve God or serve your family, get rid of them. You know, a, a while ago, a few months ago, or about a year ago, I think, I went through a real major storm in my life. And, uh, and then it turns out, you know, uh, and I was, I, was, I was trying to find some sort of uh, help and understanding on what I was going through, et cetera, et cetera. And so anyhow, I, I found this guy, and we started talking and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, yeah, this guy just seemed to make a whole lot of sense. And, uh, you know, uh, and then later on, and, you know, it was all to do with relationship stuff. And then later on, I found out he's on his fifth wife <laughs> I went what and then as I got talking to him I found out that not only is he on his fifth wife he's got a drinking problem and I went and then one night I'm just you know I'm, I'm at home and and you know my world's in, in a real turmoil and uh, and I thought and you know and I just felt God say to me he says you know if you want to soar with eagles talk to eagles if you want to walk with turkeys, talk with turkeys. And I just flicked this guy. I thought, you're a flaming loser. You're trying to give me advice, and you can't even do it yourself. Here is, here is David's brother trying to give him advice, and he can't even do it himself. So the Bible says that David just turns to another he kept on turning to another until he could find somebody who would back him in what he was doing. And eventually he got to the king. I have to finish now. <laughs> he got to the king. The state, the, 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 the whole, the whole um, future of this nation was resting on decisions that David would make. Do you know sometimes the whole future of our family as men rests on decisions that we make and who you get your advice from will often determine how far your family will travel. There's a saying in the business world that successful businessmen hang out with successful businessmen. When I was pastoring uh, churches, it was the same. They used to say, successful pastors hang out with successful pastors. Do you know something? Successful fathers hang out with successful fathers. 
you want a good Christian family or, you know, I mean, I've learned that once your kids get to a certain age, they've got to build their own relationship with God and it's up to them what they do. But, you know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, bring up in a child in the way they should go and when they depart, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, and, and God can still be in their heart. No matter what they're doing, God is still there. And, you know, and then we just got to trust God to do whatever. But, you know, at least they've got a fighting chance. At least they've got a fighting chance. That seed is planted in there and God can come along. But, you know, uh, fathers, you know, they're looking to us. They're looking to us. Whew. Okay. Oh, my Lord. Your guys' lunch will be burning. The longer I preach, the less time you look after the kids. Oh, mate. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't want to get in trouble, eh? So, anyhow. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The boss is sitting right there looking. So, anyhow. Anyhow. Uh, Oh, my Lord. You know, before I was a Christian, uh, the biggest, you know how, how God says, he says he takes, uh, he takes our, our weaknesses and he turns them into our strengths. Before I was a Christian, uh, my, my, I had lots of weaknesses, but one of my major ones was stickability. From the time I was, I left school uh, before, when I was 14 uh, and that, they asked me to leave, so anyhow, I, I went to went straight into the to the workforce, and uh, and I had no education. I couldn't even read and write uh, when I left school. I had no interest in school from about the time I was about uh, maybe twelve. Uh, when I was twelve, was the first time I was sexually abused uh, as a kid, and my whole world just uh, flew to bits. And and that, so I just stopped learning. So by the time I left, I had no education. I didn't never sat an exam or anything like that. So my first job, I went, the only work I could get was working in a cemetery, job I could get in a cemetery, digging graves, mowing lawns and all that, and then on a Monday morning running beside a truck, chucking rubbish, uh, people's rubbish bags on the truck, etc., etc. And then from then to the time I became a Christian when I was 25, so that's about 10-year period, uh, I had 24 jobs in that period because I couldn't stick to anything. I had no... Uh, you know, like if there was a problem, I'd leave. Uh, you know, if I was, in a, I was going out with a, a lady, if there's a problem, I'd leave. The problem at work, I'd leave. Uh, everything was, I'd just leave. The, you know, I never learned how to uh, be faithful uh, and how to stand my ground. And I never learned how to, you know, if there's a problem, chances are it's me that the problem's with. Uh, and that, and uh, so anyhow, uh, then I became a Christian. And for my first few years as a Christian, I was exactly the same. You know, uh, if there was a problem, I'd leave. If there was a, I'd, you know, and I'd, oh, it was terrible. And then over time, God showed me uh, the principle and the ways of being able to stand. And, and this is something that, uh, that I've learned over the years. Do you know the bigger the problem you can stand up in, the further forward you go in life? The bigger the problem you can stand up in, the further you go in your life. Why does an alcoholic end up with nothing? Because they try to answer their problems in the bottom of a bottle. Denial. 
And so eventually an alcoholic ends up with nothing. Exactly the same with druggies and all these, these, these other stuff that happen. You want a big business, you have to be able to solve big problems and stand. You want a, a big church, you have to be able to solve big problems and stand. You want a big family that is strong and not a family that gets blown around with every wind. You've got to be able to solve bigger problems and stand. And we saw that with David and Goliath, that, that the, 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 the king and the army could not solve this problem and stand and they'd run. And a whole nation was about to go into slavery. You know, I've seen kids become the slaves of addictions and drugs and crime and alcoholism and all this because their dads have never been able to stand. Eventually, I'm going to cut this really short right now. I'm going to... <laughs> We're going to jump a whole lot. Eventually, David stands before Goliath and he takes him out. And we all know the story. But as I, I want to go right back to the beginning, it wasn't just a boy taking out a strong man. The, what was at stake was the freedom of a nation. A whole nation was sitting now, can I say this? That battle was a defining moment in David's life. David was never the same after that battle. He just moved on from glory to glory until he became king. Do you know, some of the battles that you're going to go through or you are going through are defining moments in your life. You want to move forward in your life. You want to move forward in your work. You want to move forward in ministry. You want to move forward as a father. You want to move forward as a husband. If you can't overcome the Goliath that's standing before you now, where you are is where you stop. It was a defining moment in, God's, in, in David's life. Do you know, I can look back over my life and see defining moments in my life when I overcome, when I overcome through God, not through my own thing, but through God, I overcome and then my whole life would take on a different course. And then there'd be another Goliath, a bigger one. And then we'd, we'd go to war and then we'd overcome that and then it would take on a course. And it's always from glory to glory to glory. All right. Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, can we just uh, stand up, guys? Everybody, that'll be great. Thank you kindly. All right. I want to. I want to pray. I'm gonna because uh, Pastor Glenn said uh, that he wanted to deal to men. <laughs> no, sorry, minister, minister. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyhow, uh, I know that there are there are some guys here, and you know, uh, and I just I just want to pray for men this morning, to be honest. Uh, and then I'm sure that there are ladies that need prayer and all like that as well. But I just I just got uh, praying for uh, guys. You've either you've either been uh, stood. 
before Goliath in your past and you've, you've uh, not won that victory and it's always coming back up or you're going through it now or there's something coming up that you know and it's like, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to pray for you. You know, uh, there are guys here that you let fear dictate how much faith you got in your heart. You know, uh, if we if we're looking at the the principle of going from glory to glory, that God wants us on an upward path, not a downward path. Uh, he wants to be able to bless us and prosper us and do all this sort of thing, increase us, he said. He said, multiply us, increase us. It's an uphill path. We go up that way. But we've got to be able to overcome a few things to get there. And then even when we get there, we've still got to overcome a few things. I believe, I believe in all my heart in the, in the principle of the laying on of hands and the impartation. Moses done it to Joshua. He laid his hands on Joshua and it says he imparted wisdom into Joshua to lead a nation. And you know something? There are some of you here and you've got wrapped up in negativity. You are anti, anti, anti this, anti that. There are some here you've got wrapped up in uh, anger. Some here disappointment. Some here hurts. Some here you, uh, uh, you, you don't even believe that you can do it. But you know, God believes you can do it. Uh, there's, there's all this stuff that, that, that is standing before you. And I'm just feeling like God is saying uh, through the, if I had not overcome some amazing things in my life, I could not impart a flea. But I have overcome some amazing obstacles where I've seen other people just disintegrate around me and I have carried on going forward. And now God is opening up, like we saw in those pictures, God is opening up a nation in the Philippines to us. I'll tell you what, I want to impart that to some guys today that say, I need that, I need that. If that's you, I want you to come and stand up the front. Come on up the front now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good on you, man. Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Do you know, we've either been through battles, you're either going through a battle, or there is a Goliath that's standing at you're going to meet in your future. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, I'm just going to pray for you guys, eh? Thank you, Lord. Father, I just want to uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, for these, uh, these men, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just impart in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, wisdom and the power of the Holy Ghost to stand, not to give up, not to make excuses, but Father God, to push into you that all our answers are in you. Father, we just want to release that right now. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Wisdom. Lord, wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just want to release it right now, Lord. Father, the ability to stand, not to run. The ability to find answers, to find strength in God. Lord, the ability to overcome, to overcome, not to be overcome by issues, not to be overcome by the Goliaths and the giants in our lives, but Lord, to be an overcomer in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're just a part of right now, Lord.